welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. Welcome to the Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast, a show created to help painting company owners build a thriving painting business that does well over $1 million in annual revenue. I'm your host, Brandon Pierpont, founder of Painter Marketing Pros and creator of the popular PCA educational series, Learn, Do, Grow, Marketing for Painters. In each episode, I'll be sharing proven tips, strategies, and processes from leading experts in the industry on how they found success in their painting business. We will be interviewing owners of the most successful painting companies in North America and learning from their experiences. On this episode of the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast, we host guest Brian Reese. Brian is the co-founder and president of Bella's Army Painting in the greater Pittsburgh region. Prior to Bella's Army, Brian worked as a senior sales manager and site inspector for College Works Painting. Bella's Army is a Pittsburgh-based painting company that produces well over 1 million per year in annual revenue. The company has been in business for four years, is owned by a husband and wife team, and plans to expand outside of PA. In addition, Brian has founded another company called Painting Systems Blueprint that physically builds out and systemizes painting companies for contractors around the country. Bella's Army Painting is the inspiration behind that business model that proves full systemization and optimization in a contracting business is not only possible, but a much needed necessity to be a top performer in the marketplace. All right, today we're talking with Brian Reese of Bella's Army Painting. Brian, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Brian. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a pleasure to have you. So I guess tell us a little bit about your background. So um, background, this is actually my um, sixth to seventh year in the industry myself. Um, With our company, this is the fourth year. So we're still a relatively fresh new company. Um, But way way back at the start i basically uh, had experience working for like a larger national company that taught us sales and management so um i did two years worth of stuff with that company so like any like everything from like hiring employees to like getting leads to selling to uh just like empowering people like there's a lot of like little things that i think really helped just to understand the scale process and um there were uh, like there was a full-time sales role. We did like safety, OSHA, EPA stuff. So, so I think the biggest takeaway though was like I understood how a company could be scaled, and I saw the different levels of like what needed to be done to do it in a really efficient manner. So um, we started our own company, and uh, that's Bella's Army Painting in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So uh, we basically just hit the ground running and had a goal or a focal point to like do things a little bit more optimized. So that includes just like the digital stuff, the automations, um, just making the customer experience a little bit more effortless. And um, that was where we saw the biggest opportunity to like lean in towards. So fast forward to today, um, we were in a spot where like we systemized enough, we optimized enough. 
um, we are approaching the hiring and training game in a different manner too. So uh, it's a very comfortable point in our time. So like we, we feel we're at a really strong point to just now actually add more a little bit quicker without it hurting the quality or the customer experience, which is uh, what we were aiming for from day one, which is pretty cool. I love that, man. You, uh, you brought up a lot of points right there in that, in that intro statement that we're going to dive into. I think a lot of that stuff's going to be super valuable. Uh, so you guys are based in Pittsburgh and you said you co-founded it. Who's your co-founder? So it's my wife. So it's okay. so me, my wife, and then her mom actually started uh, the company with us. She doesn't have much involvement, but um, at the very beginning, just being able to assist us, be like, talk to this person, go here, do that. Um, that was beneficial for sure. Okay, great. So it's family business. It's great. Yep. Yep. And then who are your target customers and, and what services are you offering them? So target customer, um, I feel like this will never leave, is just like high-end residential. So just more affluent residential customers. Um, typically anybody that like just say home value could be like $300,000 $300, or more. And um, we kind of like optimize that model. So like we are shifting to like the commercial repaint side. Um, that has been a nice percentage of our, or of our business this year. And uh, now that the commercial repaint game is getting enough volume, uh, we're starting to actually explore into like larger commercial. So there's like a, a nice life cycle journey with strategically picking and choosing, but the high end residential, that's where the cash flow is. And uh, I'm never really going to stop doing that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's what you've kind of built the fundamentals on, I guess, at this point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you guys, so where are you at, if you don't mind sharing uh, revenue wise annually? So um, as of today, we're at uh, 817,000 in revenue. And we've been, over the past three months, uh, I think our, our biggest month was 199000 in one month. Wow. Okay. So, and so, so, so like that 817, that's, that's year to date actual revenue. Yep. That's and what cash, is your cash collected? Cash collected. What's your projection for 2021 in total? Uh, we're projected to do 1.2 to 1.4 million. That's great. And you guys started this company in 2017? Yeah, it was December 2017. Wow. So essentially 2018. Yes. That's some fast growth, man. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, um, I want to kind of dig into this concept you talked about, about you wanted to do things differently. You wanted to systematize and optimize, you know, because obviously you've been able to scale really, really fast to, to take something from zero, um, you know, to nearing one and a half million and essentially three, three, four years is impressive. Can you talk to that a little more? So um, in regards to the scale process, you mean like what we did to get from point A to point B? I guess let's start from point A. So you said you were working for a larger company. You were doing sales and marketing and hiring and, and kind of a lot of these things. You know, a, a lot of painting company owners, their backgrounds different. You know, they come from the actual production, the actual painting. So you, you basically came at this from a different angle. You're a young guy. You graduated college, I think, five, six years back, not, not too long ago. So talk to me kind of coming from this different perspective, coming from sort of an outsider in, uh, as opposed to having painted for the last 10 to 20 years, how did, what opportunities were you, do you think you were maybe able to see that maybe some other people are missing? Um, basically just from day number one, working on the company, not in it. 
So like uh, we didn't feel obligated to basically hop into an actual site and like physically paint the entire time. Um, that limitation wasn't really in our minds, which I think that's the huge benefactor of like not getting stuck in the rat race of what we all know could really happen quite easily. Yeah. So I, I just learned that sales is king. So like you just get out there, create a uh, never ending lead flow, you sell it and then you figure it out. That's it. <laughs> okay. So you were kind of a sell first sort of build and figure it all out later. Correct. Mentality. Yeah. Okay. That's an aggressive mentality, but I think a lot of the, you know, most successful entrepreneurs sort of have that mindset. Right. Um, okay, great. Now in terms of this never ending lead flow, you know, you said you guys did things online, you know, you, you really leaned into the digital marketing aspect. Can you talk to that? Yeah. So um, I think it's important to note that like, there's like, you should never really depend on one source of lead flow. Um, I think that's true for everything you do in business. Um, so in other words, like the digital game, that's just one fishing line that we toss into the sea. And um, that could be one fishing line per medium. So one for Facebook, one for Google. Um, each thing might have like 10 to 15 different ads running at the same time. But um, it's not just digital because your ad spend cost of revenue would be like a little higher than it should be. So um, I think the things like whenever we started out that we never really kind of abandoned were the things that uh, we always kind of explain it as getting used to making money without having money. <laughs> um, so doing the things that it's just bootstrapping. So like you could just uh, physically go on Google, you can um, reach out to people, build a list of um, realtors, commercial contacts that way, and just always kind of work that list. You can um, doing uh, referrals, you can, you can have like partnerships with other contractors. There's like tons of things like that, that like, you know, you might get one to three leads per month from like each source, but if you have 25 fishing lines out there, um, you're racking in stuff without it, like seeming like it's that difficult. Right. Okay. So what you're, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that you, you do the typical digital marketing uh, approaches, Facebook ads, Google ads, things like that, but you're also hustling in terms of networking, in terms of trying to form those connections, knowing you're not going to get a huge lead flow through each one, but just the more avenues you have, the more leads you're going to get per month. Correct. Yeah. And then if you work those lists every single month of, of the things that take time to kind of build up and compound, eventually those things start paying off like two, three, four years down the road. And yeah, that, that's where like, if you still want, if you still have an aggressive growth mindset, yeah, spend more money on advertising on top of that. But some people make the decision to shift solely towards uh, repeat work referrals and relationship based stuff. Right. Yeah. I think it's largely dependent on the owner's ultimate goal right? Where you see the business going. Yeah. Um, so you have experienced a lot of different levels of a painting company. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure you have uh, bigger goals, but you talked about different levels of scaling, right? And just a couple of years ago, you had zero revenue. Now you're at essentially 1.3. Can you walk through uh, your journey because it has been so compressed, it's, it's fresh in your mind and kind of how things change and evolve along the path from zero to 1.3 million? Yeah, so I, I think the biggest thing is just um, having an awareness factor of being able to take a step back and just like literally time block every week, um, like section off time for you to like look at things in an, in an objective manner. Meaning at a certain point, you're doing everything. You're doing sales, you're doing production management, you're doing the marketing, you're doing your admin work. It's a lot. And um, in order to do six to seven full-time roles, and do the systemization of your company and focus on development empowerment. Um, that's tough to juggle. 
And you get to a certain point where like you might systemize the production end, you might have a project manager managing that, but you might be working sales full time. Um, that's you still working full time in your company, not on the company. So like you kind of got to like take a step back and not get stuck in the rat, you know, the little rabbit hole of doing stuff full time forever. So I think going from point A to point B, like there's different like levels that we kind of like come into. Um, I've touched on a couple already, but um, just always thinking that what is my actual purpose for this company? It's to systemize stuff to make it more efficient, um, to plug holes on things and we, like where we might be losing money or efficiency points, uh, recruiting, hiring people, developing people, empowering them, like shifting towards that and just making sure everybody is doing their goal for the day. <laughs> that sure. compared to you physically thinking you have to run around and do it all yourself. I think that's sure. interesting. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And so you've kind of talked about all the different marketing channels you're using, the hustle you're putting in, the fact that like many entrepreneurs, when you're starting, you're having to wear kind of a lot of hats. Um, but still recognizing the fact that that's not enough, right? You need to kind of back up and work on. Can you talk a little bit to this idea of systemization, right? You've talked a lot about kind of putting those systems in place. Can you speak to that? Yeah, so so overall, in my perspective, the concept of systemization, it's, I mean, even just like running a company, you're physically just building a system and you're having a rock star team to help carry out your system for people to give them something that'll make their lives easier. So Again, systemization is just like you having one, a game plan of, of what you actually want to make better. And two, just figure out ways to optimize people's jobs to give them the most resources they can to where like if you run away, um, they can still know exactly what needs done. And very simple, clear and concise. So systemization, it doesn't have to be complex or hard. It could be a simple checklist. It could just be like a, a quick target for the day, but just having something that's repeatable, simple and scalable giving that somebody, training them, and then going to the next one and just rinsing and repeating. That is what we think the whole concept is, just to kind of make it simple. Sure. Okay, great. So it seems like a big focus for you on systemization is essentially having employee uh, job roles and basically what success looks like in those roles very well defined to where you don't have to micromanage and you can step back and, and focus on bigger picture things. Would that be accurate? Correct. Yes. Okay, that's great, man. So that's actually a great segue because you had mentioned that you guys are approaching things a little bit differently in terms of hiring, you know, recruiting. You mentioned this need for rock star employees, which I think is, is key, uh, you know, to any business that wants to become really substantial. How are you guys approaching, given the tight labor market, given kind of all the uncertainty of 2020 and 2021, what's your approach been to hiring? Um, it's, it's treating hiring as a sales game. So that's what I was trained to be good at from the get-go is like just getting jobs. That was never the hard part. And again, like every single person that you talk to, they're always going to say it's tough to find good people, tough to hire. That's my, my big, biggest bottleneck. So um, treating it like a sales game, um, one, it forces you to actually have a lead flow. <laughs> um, most people don't have a lead flow and they're not spending money on it. Um, so that's step number one. And the second thing is like once you actually have the lead flow, like how are you pitching them? Are, are you doing the same things or like, are, are you metaphorically touching them as many times as you are, you know, compared to your customer that you're actually selling your paint job to. So um, just being very, very interactive, kind of just like hitting them from all, all corners, texting, emailing, there's automations you can set up. Um, and then the actual interview, 
that's like your presentation. So like, you got to like sales pitch them. Like, yeah, you're interviewing them and asking them questions, but um, do you know what motivates them? What makes them tick? Why they're here? Do they plan on being here for one year or 20 years? Um, are they comfortable just painting forever or do they want to work their way up to like a project management or a general manager role? So we dissect them really hard and challenge them. And I think that's been the biggest success factor is because like people that are genuinely good and rock star players, they're attracted to people that have their shit together. And I think that's the biggest thing is just like they can see the structure, they can see the foundation, they can see the predictability. And more importantly, they can see the vision that we're painting for them and they're bought into it and they're willing to invest three years of life to get there. I love it. So correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm going to take a little bit of a leap here. But to me, it seems like one of the biggest differentiators you're focused on is not necessarily you get this sign on bonus and not necessarily, you know, we're going to pay X amount of hour compared to Y, y amount of hour. I am going to ask whether you're doing those things. But for you, the, the core focus is really showing them an opportunity to progress and move up within your company and that this is a company with career potential. Correct. Yeah. So, cause like usually the people that um, are good, they're one going to ask for more money, of course, which that's a given, but sure. um, they don't want to be in the same place for more than a year or two. So um, just knowing what makes them tick again, you can just be like, okay, like your goal is to make hundred K in the next three years. This is how we're going to get there. You know, one is it possible Two, are you on board with helping us get there? And from there, you just talk with them monthly one-on-one -on -one, and then you just, make sure you're very clear on how we're taking action steps to get there just so they're not left in the dark. Yeah, I love it. I love this. You know, I, I talk a lot and Pair Marketing Pros focuses a lot on the automation, right? The touch points, having to touch customers multiple times uh, to get them bought in. I love the fact that you're treating employees the same way, you know, especially in such a tight labor market. It can't just be, hey, apply for a job and we'll see if you, if you, you know, if you fit, you're, you're selling them the vision. You're kind of staying in front of them. Um, I love that, man. So how are you, where are you getting your employee leads from? Are you using Indeed or Facebook? What's your, what's your lead source? What have you found to be most effective? Um, honestly, Facebook has been by far the, best, the most effective. Um, all of our people came from Facebook or I think there was one from ZipRecruiter. We tried that once, but that's, that's way too much money. Um, I mean, right now it's basically just utilizing conversation. So like if you go to a community event, you talk to people, um, if you are on Facebook, you're posting videos and you're targeting and you're make, you're doing it in a different manner. Um, but I, the reason I say Facebook is because like usually the people that are genuinely like good, they're usually busy doing other stuff and they're not actively seeking usually. So, um, if you strategically run something online, like a video or something like that, um, it might pop up in their feed without them thinking, you know, anything. So if you can just like understand what kind of person you're trying to like attract, all you have to do is grab like one to three seconds of their attention and then just get them to click it. And that's whatever, if you have a really good uh, recruiting process, then you can just like hook and <laughs> reel them in basically. Yeah. So you're yeah. basically targeting ideal prospects using video ads and then essentially yes. getting them kind of getting them into your world, into your funnel where you're then going to nurture them with continually touch points and ultimately sell them that, that you are a company that offers them a lot of potential. Correct. And yeah. um, again, like tying it back, like remember how I said, like have tons of fishing lines out in the sea to get like actual lead flow for your paying projects. Do the same thing for recruiting. Like mm -hmm. in, indeed, it, we might get one person every other month, 
but then again, that's one person. So like knowing the, how much that person can bring into the company, um, it's, it's not worth abandoning that avenue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a matter of like analyzing your cost analysis based off of like how many people you actually get in the door that year. Right. Yeah, I love it. It, it. You're willing to try a lot of different things and not just abandon it just because it didn't create this massive inflow. You know, if the return on investment made sense, even if it was kind of small investment, small return, you'll keep it open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. I really, really love uh, your focus. You're basically creating an employee avatar, right? I, I think the best companies are essentially creating uh, customer avatars. You know, what does their ideal customer look like? Where do they live? You know, what, what's, what, like you said, 300,000 and up, they own a home that's worth 300,000 or more, you know, in the Pittsburgh area, you're essentially doing the same thing for your employee avatar. And so you're able to actually figure out where that employee hangs out. You know, you, they hang out on faith, but not necessarily on indeed because they already have things going for them. You know, they're not just sitting there needing, needing a job necessarily, but you're maybe going to recruit them. Do you find that a lot of employees you're actually recruiting away from other jobs? Yep. Yeah. Like um, for example, we, we just found, two people actually from Instagram. So like uh, this person's mom actually reached out to us because um, he worked for a cattle refinishing company and um, the guy was closing shop in like two months and, and moving down south. So um, we, it, was, it was a clean transition. And then uh, we actually recruited his brother-in-law. So um, both of them are actually now on the cabinet team. But um, I mean, that was one avenue to where like he wasn't actively looking, but like mm-hmm. we're, we're just so busy out there on the online space that like it's going to kind of just like spread eventually. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. So I know some people are so tied in to the day to day, you know, and and it can be really overwhelming. Uh, I guess all all this stuff is nice and it works really well, but for someone who's just feels like this is miles away from where they are currently, you know, and and doesn't know the first step, what, what would you tell that person who's still out there painting? Maybe they just have a couple painters who work with them. What's step one to try to, to try to get out of working in the business and on the business? Um, sales. That'll be my answer because um, th- this is how we did it. Like we just, one, found the lead flow and two, just started selling work. Um, we just, I mean, don't lie to people, but like you can just like make it up and say like, hey, I'm two to three months back already. Whether you are or not, like, this, like you, you could have nothing in your backlog. Mm-hmm. But like you start selling stuff and stacking it in advance. Um, and then from there, once you have like two months of work just sitting there, hire two people out the gate. Um, you can be on the site. You can train, develop, and like systemize their role without you physically having to paint. So, so like mm-hmm. it's a different perspective shift. And once they're good, you leave a little bit. You manage from a distance and still kind of like keep that tight leash. But like once you leave, you're doing the same thing. You're rinsing and repeating. Um, mm-hmm. So you eventually just like from day number one, you can make the decision to like, fo- like physically work on it. But I think like I, the reason I say sales is because you can ask for like deposit money, like whether it's 25% or 50%. Right. Yeah, it's a liability, but like that's a safety net, you know, they can kind of help expedite your cash flow run. I love it. Yeah, the focus on cash flow, I think, is overlooked by a lot of small business owners. Painters, no exception. Um, okay, I love that. So you had, so you guys are in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. So you guys have a, a, a pretty severe winter. Uh, yep. You guys experienced the, the qualm of slow season. How do you deal with that? So um, we've been like since June, actually, we were selling for winter. So like okay. everything we do is sell in advance on everything. So um, that's just like giving 
certain value propositions to entice people to wait. Um, you could uh, choose a different job niche. So let's say cabinetry, for example. Um, so like I'm sure everyone sees that that's kind of like pop popping a little bit. So um, in January this year was the first time actually leaning into it and trying it full scale. Um, last year was our first cabinet job ever. Like we did, I think just two sets last year for the whole year. But um, now we have uh, four full-time people just on cabinetry. So that alone, knowing it's like a higher profit margin. Um, and like, if you look at the online analytics for like running ads, it's pretty consistent from January to December every single year. It doesn't peak um, with like seasonality. So um, adding predictable cash flow sources or like income drips typically helps, but um, I would say it's it, uh, the winner goes back to the relationship marketing because you, you can run and sell digital advertising all day. But then again, just like if you don't retain and capture the same people and just like give them monthly newsletters or like just touch base or like reactivate them, then it, what's the point? Like you're doing all of that for nothing. Um, but usually like, yeah, like the winner is a lot of repeat referral relationship-based work and then uh, work that is specifically not peaking or dipping from seasonality. Sure. Yeah. So you guys, when you said the advertising analytics, you're essentially saying that, that you guys don't just start advertising a bunch when you need the work, you're consistently putting your name out there. Uh, in a, is that what you were saying? Okay. Well, well like th that and like, um, let's just take exterior painting because Pittsburgh PA, there's a winter and there's a spring and there's a summer. So usually like February, March, and April, um, and even like May and June, it peaks up in demand dramatically. Um, in the winter, it kind of like levels off. Uh, with cabinetry, it's a, it's a consistent lead flow. So like it doesn't peak dramatically. It doesn't drop dramatically. It's pretty consistent and predictable. Got it. And what, from a business perspective, are you guys finding most challenging right now? So most challenging is honestly just uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think what I'll boil it down to because it, it's probably just making sure that we're being very picky and strategic on who we're actually bringing on to our staff because um, I mentioned to you before this, there, there's a reason why we do subcontractor and W2 employees because the subs allow us to maintain our volume and have our cash flow rolling in. And we don't feel pressured to hire people on the in-house. So like we can take our time doing it that way. Um, we do have lead flow, of course, and systemization to like help get people in the door, but we're very, very picky. And it takes a while for people to get through our process. But once they do, they usually stay with us for more than a year, which is pretty, um, you know, it's a win in my book. Yeah, that's great. So with the, with your recruiting efforts, do you, offer any sort of sign-on bonuses? Have you, have you sort of been forced to do that this year or have you increased your hourly rate or how have you dealt with the labor crunch? I, I just increased our, our rate. So um, everybody in our company makes between like 18 to 25. Okay. So like starting out, I think 18, anything lower than that, I really haven't offered. So uh, again, it, it comes down to who's your target customer. <laughs> It's, it's a really good rock star painter. So um, if they're good, they should be able to produce um, at least at a specific level. So uh, at that rate, I'm not afraid to offer them like 20 to 25. Um, like there, there's one guy I just hired him yesterday. Um, we're offering him 25 out the gate, but um, he just performed. His trial day was really good. He meshed well with the team culture. And it was a conversation. We, we just really acknowledged what he can do. And uh, 
again, tossed down a challenge and said that like, this is, these are the expectations, but um, yeah, just not being able to, or not being afraid to pay people more and just tracking them on a daily basis to make sure that everyone's accountable. Nice. Yeah. And I think this split that you have between W2 employees and subcontractors kind of provides you the best of both worlds. Are you, is that split roughly 50, 50? How does that look? Uh, it's pretty close to 50, 50, I'd say. And do you ever view the subcontractors? Do you ever bring them in house? Is it almost like a trial period at times or how does that work? Um, so we basically have, so, so there's always a backlog of jobs. So like we have leverage to pick and choose what makes more sense to give somebody for project number one, two, and three. So the first couple jobs are usually very small. They could be like one day, two days. Um, so things that were like, if they go south, we can fix them without losing a lot of money. Um, that's how we integrate. And then once they make that pass, um, we just start giving them, you know, larger and larger and larger jobs. And, you know, we just try and never not keep them busy because the second that they have like a little gap, it, that forces them to kind of like look elsewhere. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. And you spoke about customer reactivation, about staying in front of your past customers. And, and that kind of helps you a lot of times during the winter season. I think this idea of referrals, of repeat business, a lot of painting companies approach it very passively. You know, they, they think, well, I did a good job. So I get a lot of repeat business, but they don't realize the amount that they're leaving on the table through not having the, the monthly emails, through not having the touch points. Can you speak to how you maximize your repeat and referral business? So how we maximize it is one, we keep track. So like we, we have a list of all past customers. We have a list of all estimates we've gone on that we did not convert. We have a list of all of our um, contractor connection referrals. We have a list of realtors. We have a list of buyers, sellers. We have a list of just everybody. So um, every single month, everybody gets a newsletter. And um, that's just like a personal touch point, more information on us personally as owners of the company. And, um, uh, twice a year. So once in uh, the fall time, once in the springtime, we reactivate them. So it's a really hard marketing campaign for a four week split where there's phone, phone calls, emails, texting, direct mail. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on there. So that's the gist of it. And throughout the year, you can pepper in some like long-term drip campaigns. You could do um, referral campaigns. Like there, there's so much opportunity. <laughs> it's crazy. And like, that's your raving fan base. And like, even yeah. if they didn't go with you, may maybe you made a good impression and like, maybe they're making a little bit more money now and like, they want to go with you in the future. So tons of opportunity. Yeah, I love that. So for your activation campaigns, do you typically include some sort of discount? You know, this month only, do you ever offer some sort of referral bonus or, or incentive? Always, yes. Yeah, so, so like everything in life is and like, like not even business, <laughs> everything's a value proposition. Um, so like you always want to feel like you're giving away way more than you're actually receiving and asking for. So that could be in the form of a discount. It could be in the form of like, um, yeah, I, I mean like whatever it is, you just want to make sure that, yeah, you, you're just giving them something for being a part of your business and life. Sure. Yeah. Can you, can you give us one example of some incentive that you've offered that has, that you've seen work well? Um, okay. Yeah. So, so like, let, let's take cabinets. Um, if you work with us and like schedule during this month, uh, we will buy all new hardware for you free of charge. So like things like that, um, it could be like an entire exterior repaint, um, or like if, if you paint the entire exterior of your house, 
we'll do all of your man door for free or things like that. So like little things that it's just like a little package cluster. Yeah, one thing I'm noticing that's a little bit different about what you're saying from what a lot of companies do is you're not saying X percent off or you're not saying, you know, $500 off. You're, you're offering something free on top. What's the rationale behind that? So, so uh, never focus on price, really, honestly. Um, it's just a matter of, like, what the perceived value is. Because sometimes, like, if they're saying it's a price issue, like, say you go in at, like, $14,000 for an extra repaint, um, but like you left out like half, like let's just say you're not doing all of the trim. It's mainly just siding, porches, floors. Um, they think 14 is a lot for that, but you might be able to add in the, the other stuff, knowing that you don't have to spend time masking only for like two grand and be like, okay, for 16, we'll do everything. You don't have to worry about it again for 15 years. Um, so like shopping inventory on them, um, they might change their thought process and say like, okay, my perceived value for 16 grand for everything and I have to worry about it. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go for that. Or, you know, like maybe it's it's downgrading a product or like itemizing everything. Like say you're painting the interior and there's 17 rooms. Maybe they don't want to paint 17. Like itemizing, give them 17 options. Um, they'll say yes to something on that. Yeah, I love it. So kind of the, the upsell, downsell options. And then they're feeling it's yeah. really custom tailored to them to what makes sense in their mind for, for a value proposition. Yep. That's amazing, man. So you take an aggressive approach it's paid off, you know, you, you sell and kind of figure it out, kind of build the airplane on the way down. Sometimes that causes risks, right? Sometimes things don't go according to plan. Can you talk to a blunder that you've made with a customer or, or a situation you got in and how you resolved it? Um, there's a lot. Wow. <laughs> Let's see. Fun question, right? Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to give you two examples. So like the first one is just the risk that we took on as a company, making a decision to add a new job type. And then the other one's a risk for customer. But um, this morning, for example, uh, we just had one of our, our production facility flood. There's like a foot of water in the basement. Um, for some, like we're, it's like right near a creek. <laughs> and um, our cabinet place that we spray out of, it's like a residential house. So like we rented that and we converted the basement and all the rooms upstairs to spray um, work zones. So it, it was an unconventional way. And like, we took a risk of doing that, but like, we didn't have like 40 to 50 grand to like make an actual legit spray zone that has like the open spray boost, stuff like that. Um, and like, we didn't want to spend that much money unless we actually like bought the building. So um, we made the decision to take a risk knowing that there was a creek there and he, and he told us <laughs> it does flood. <laughs> um, so like things like that, like today, like we're out two full days of production and we're, we're cleaning the floor. <laughs> so. Um, things like that, we, we, we do lose money, but like then again, the speed to market made us make more money than we thought on that. Um, so, so it's all cost to, or like opportunity cost and weighing that. Um, another thing was, uh, I mean, just subcontractor jobs in general, sometimes they might not go as planned. Um, you know, like if there's like one hiccup or like say the expectations weren't laid out or you gave them something too big, too quick, um, a customer obviously is not happy. So um, usually more times than not, um, it's, it's easier to control it on the in-house end for me. Our sub teams, sometimes if something goes wrong, we might have four to five to six pile up at once. Um, so that does happen, uh, you know, that's just a part of business. But um, again, like we physically have to have our in-house teams go there and we have to like schedule that around stuff we already have backlogged, which that takes time. And the more time you take between that, 
um, you don't like even if you fix it, they're not happy. So um, there were certain situations where like we did go back, we fixed it, it turned out really freaking good, but they didn't pay us. Crazy. Wow. Okay. Um, the things like that happen, but again, overall, I mean, like we took the risk on that, and that's okay in my opinion because if you expect it, you, you already have like a sunk cost in your mind for, mm -hmm. for a certain dollar percent per year. So it's, that's fine. And if you're getting a certain percentage, at least you're guaranteed to, you know, hopefully at least cover your costs or at least near your costs. Uh, yeah, then it comes to more of an opportunity cost. Yeah. Like on those, it's, I mean, like usually you can break even on things that kind of go south. Um, mm -hmm. So just knowing that one, you have enough cushion in your actual pricing uh, and your sales process is good enough to actually get that pricing, <laughs> then that makes all of that so much easier to say yes to. Yeah, that's great, man. So you're, you're willing to move fast and break things, uh, knowing that some things will sort of go wrong in the process, but that's a part of the journey. Overall, as long as you're netting out, it's, you know, it gets kind of that focus on return on investment. If you're netting out positive because the cabinet jobs have brought in a steady stream of income, the fact that you're set back two days right now for the forward thinking business owner is, is a, a cost well worth absorbing. Yep. 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it, man. I, I love the attitude. I, I love the uh, aggressive growth oriented mindset. I think it, it's, it's obviously why you've done as well as you have in the period of time that you've been in business. Uh, and I appreciate you sharing all this with us. Do you have any, any other advice uh, that you'd like to give painting company owners who, who maybe aren't as, inclined to risk-taking or or sort of some of this you know aren't, aren't as familiar with the sales and marketing as you are yeah so um honestly in my opinion as a business owner um if you're under seven figures in revenue um you, like yeah you take risks but the majority of your calculated decisions are not risky so there are really you know comfortable ways to growth and it's all about your awareness like if if you're very aware that you love being in, in production and you love painting or you love working with team members, um, maybe that's your time allocation. Maybe you can manage the projects, but you have to outsource your sales team. Um, not like feeling like you have to be forced to go into the sales game. Um, yeah, you might have to do it for a little while, but you know, once you train and develop somebody, that's where you, you start to really explode and things become so much easier. Cause let's just take me, for example, like, um, I used like I was taught to sell and manage um, production. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I still don't know what I'm doing, honestly. Um, but like I hired that out. So like the second that we hired a project manager to help facilitate all of the management, ordering the paint, we had a place to deliver it, um, and we actually started actually spending time on training. Then it got so much easier. Like I could work 40 hours a week instead of 80 or 90, mm -hmm. um, and like we can get just as much done, if not more. Yeah, so, I love that. Yeah, so, so, so to answer your question, have awareness and just know that um, you should probably double down on your strengths and whatever you want to do, whether it's like to stay at 500K for a year or a million, if you want to go to like 10 million, all of that's okay. It doesn't really matter where you want to go. Um, just know that you have an obligation to, to systemize to a point that's efficient for your team and they have the resources to get done what um, your business system says it can do. Yeah, I think that focus on self-awareness is amazing. You know, hire for your weaknesses, double down on your strengths. And I really also like the, the focus you had on it's not just blatant risk-taking, it's really calculated decision-making. You know, when you didn't spend $50,000 to get the, the spray booth set up appropriately, you know, or, or the, in a te technically typical fashion, 
you kind of found a way around that. Um, well, Brian, thank you. This was epic. This was epic. This was a great podcast, man. I think you, you shared a lot of great insights and I appreciate you coming on. Well, it's uh, great to be a part of it. Um, I appreciate the invite to be a part of this and uh, I love everything you're doing too, man. Oh, appreciate it, man. All right. See ya. Thanks. Hey there, painting company owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us your feedback. Let us know how we did. And also, if you're interested in taking your painting business to the next level, make sure you visit the Painter Marketing Pros website at paintermarketingpros.com to learn more about our services. You can also reach out to me directly by emailing me at brandon at paintermarketingpros.com and I can give you personalized advice on growing your painting business. Until next time, keep growing. PaintEd podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.